This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So hopefully you have been following along with us. If not, you need to open in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We have been teaching here for several, several weeks out of the Sermon on the Mount. And we have come to the end of the Beatitudes. And I want to remind you that the Sermon on the Mount is more than the Beatitudes. So we're going to continue along. A lot of times people are familiar with the Beatitudes, what we call the Beatitudes. Again, that's just a Latin word that we use to describe that section of the Sermon on the Mount. And people stop there. But there's more to what our Lord had to say. Now, I want to remind you somewhat quickly, and, and you'll have to forgive me because it's, it's one of those times where you know you don't have many notes, but you've got a lot of stuff to say, and you know you don't have the time to get to it uh, all. So we, we need to make haste to make sure that we hit the points we need to hit on. But I want to remind you that Matthew sets up and, and leads us into the Sermon on the Mount from the get-go. He introduces and he deals with our Lord as the King. As I have stated before, the throne is His. And Matthew takes us to the point where now His fame is growing. Multitudes are following Him. And He's teaching. And then Matthew lets us know what He teaches. He teaches the Kingdom of Heaven. That's Matthew's terminology. Uh, again, that's unique to the book of Matthew. But Jesus teaches the Kingdom of Heaven. Of heaven. And we get to the point of the Sermon on the Mount. He's got all these multitudes that are there and he gets a chance to minister and teach. Okay? Now, how do I say this? I'm going to give you the outline. As I stated earlier about the Sermon on the Mount, I believe it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful outline. But if you will, those of you who work, if you could just imagine, right? Those of you who work, um, you know, we all answer to somebody. And so, in a lot of places, uh, they have annual assessments. And so, when assessment time comes, that means you get judged. Right? And so, when assessment time comes, you know, you've been working hard all year. Can't remember all the things that you've done. Certainly believe that you've earned your money. But when it comes time to sit down with the person who holds your assessment in their hands, it can be a little nerve-wracking. And so you go in and, and, you know, it might be a private room or whatever. And you go and you sit down and, you know, in your mind, you're building up to this moment. Now you're going to be assessed. You've been working hard. You think that maybe that they haven't paid attention to what you've been doing. They don't understand the, um, the circumstances that were outside of work that impacted how good of a job you did, but you gave it the best that you had. You think that you've done certain things that other people took the credit for, and, and so you may not get as rated as highly as you like to get rated. And so you're sitting there thinking, okay, how am I going to answer this? How am I going to respond? And then they sit you down and they say, you're blessed. Wait a minute now. 
<laughs> Wait a minute, what's going on here? And, and that's what's going on. Now, we're, not, we're talking about people who were, they put on their pants one leg at a time like we do. But authority belongs to him who speaks. And so I want you to, I want to put that in your, your frame of mind. I want to get that in your frame of mind as he comes, as he gives this, right? And, and so here's what I, 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 I told you. Here's the outline for the Sermon on the Mount. The first section is his assessment. Who's this his assessment of? The citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And remember, there are two aspects of time when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. The current age, where we can give our hearts over to the king. He reigns in our hearts. That makes us citizens of the kingdom. But if we're truly citizens of the kingdom, we will remain citizens until he who is going to come again comes again and establishes the kingdom. And I like how Paul says it. Then I will know as I am known. I always think about that when I think of assessment. And Paul says, then I'll, kind of, then I'll actually recognize his assessment of me. And so he gives his assessment. And then he goes into, starting with verse 17, he goes into the place of the law. He's going to set some things straight. And then, starting at, in Matthew chapter 6, he's going to go to another section. He's going to pretty much tell us, focus on God. In a, and on his kingdom. And then for the last portion, he's going to give counsel. The counsel of our king. So, so that's how the Sermon on the Mount, that's, again, that's according to the outline of, of my study. Uh, you can look it up and, and outline it yourself. But first he gives his assessment. Then he's going to go into the law and the place of the law. Then he's going to go into how important it is for us to focus on God and his kingdom. And then he's going to end with the counsel of the king. Okay. And so right now we're in the section of assessment. So Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse number 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. Again, I don't want you to get mixed up with this. Yes, his disciples came to him, but he taught everybody. And, and again, the, the witness to that, if you turn to Matthew chapter 7. Verse 28, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Not just the disciples, the multitudes he was ministering to. Verse 29, again, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. See, the throne is his. They can't speak with the authority he speaks with. So even though the disciples come to him, the multitudes are following. And he is ministering this to the multitudes. Wow. I'm getting to this point where I don't know how to say it, but I've got to say it somehow. Here's the thing. When you're in the multitude, he knows who's in the multitude. Amen. Glory to your name. Let me keep going. You'll understand. What I mean is, we keep going. So he, and he opened his mouth and taught them. Here comes the assessment saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And I like verse 10. See, because here's what he's saying. He's saying, now, now, now here you are, you've been poor in spirit. You've mourned. You've been meek. You've hungered and thirsted after righteousness. You've been merciful. You've been pure in heart. You've been peacemakers. That's been your walk. And then, after being such a good person, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. <laughs> he said, that's what I get for being the person that I am? Yes. I want you to understand, the response of the world system to righteousness is persecution. Amen. That's the response of the world system. I didn't say the people of the world. That's the response of the world system. If the people of the world could get out of the system, then they could repent. In the face of righteousness. And so here he is. He's given this assessment. And again, you have to understand, once you've been living that way, let me tell you about righteousness. When you walk by righteousness, it's not always in your feelings. You don't always feel like it's working out good for you. It doesn't always feel comfortable. Sometimes it seems like you are all alone. That's why his assessment is so important. You know, I may not feel it, but the one who gives me the assessment says I'm blessed. This is why, you know, I'm going to remind you of some things. People are walking around here and blessed and don't even know it. Have you ever been down and somebody came and, and encouraged you? And you know what they did to encourage you? They reminded you that you're blessed. Sometimes we forget, just on a natural basis. Sometimes we get bummed out about what we don't have. Then somebody comes and reminds you, yeah, but look at what you do have. And then you start thinking, you know what? Thank you for that. I, I needed that. And so here it is, the king speaking about the citizens of his kingdom and saying, you're blessed. Yeah, you're persecuted, but here's my assessment of you. Don't worry about how people treat you. In my eyes, you're blessed. Just like we talked about the assessment on the job. You got coworkers who don't like you. But when the one who you both respond to or both uh, uh, answer to says that you're all right in their book, who cares about your coworker? So it is with the king. So blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Then in verse 11. As I heard Mr. Castile said, blessed are ye when men shall revile you. If there, in case there's any confusion. Now, who's this? He's talking about you. Now, 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 here's what I want to get to, right? We've got a multitude, but all the multitude is not you. Does that make any sense? Most men will proclaim their own goodness. But a faithful one who can find? Can I say it another way? Here, here again, I, I got to figure out ways to say this. So here it is. You go into the assessment, and in your mind, you've done the best job of everybody in that workplace. And then you get in that place, and your employer says, I don't like the work you've been doing. You're like, wait, wait a minute now. Do you know my assessment of myself? And he's going to say, or she's going to say, what does that matter? <laughs> What does that matter? You can argue all you want to. 
Everybody else has a different assessment. Sometimes our self-assessment does not agree with the one who's assessing us. So a lot of people out there are saying, I'm blessed, but it doesn't matter if you self-assess yourself as blessed. He's got to call you blessed. Now, now I want to make sure you understand this. He's talking to the citizens, and a lot of us claim to be citizens. But those who endure to the end, the same are citizens. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. I want you to, I want you to know this. Along the road of this walk, there will be road bumps. There will be obstacles. There will be opposition. There will be ups and there will be downs. But the key to your success is do not stop. Do not quit. In the times you don't feel it, keep moving. When the time is not working out the way you had planned it, keep moving. When those that you started with aren't the ones that are still walking with you, keep walking. Those are the ones who are blessed. Again, I I get caught up with these multitudes because these multitudes are everyday people. They're not, they're not people whose names are in the newspapers. They're not people who, who are, are in the news and, and, and at the front page of, of all the headlights. They're, they're, not, uh, they're not influencers. They're everyday people who have everyday problems, who have everyday issues. And sometimes they just wonder, why can't I get ahead? But he says, you're blessed. Don't stop. Don't quit. Hold on. See, that's why the assessment is so important. Just like when you go into the job, you, you kind of wonder how they, then they give you that positive assessment. Then you have energy to keep going. Energy to keep moving. So he says, blessed are ye. Again, not everybody is ye. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. So, if you don't quit, he's talking about you. If you quit, you're not a ye. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You may not have a name, but you're in the same account as those others who do have a name in the scriptures. Can you imagine? There you are in the kingdom and you got a seat next to Daniel. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're like, wait, wait a minute. I, I must be in the wrong light. You're like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. See, because you stood. You remained when it wasn't easy. You stayed. Hallelujah. Rejoice. Be exceeding glad. See, and he's not saying, I am going to make sure that you don't get reviled. He didn't say, I'm going to make sure that people aren't going to persecute you. I'm going to make sure people don't say all manner of evil. I'm going to make sure they don't falsely accuse you. He says, no, no, you're going to go through it. Because that's the response to this world system to righteousness. See, because wasn't that what happened with Daniel? They couldn't find anything against Daniel, so they had to find something against his God. So as Daniel was blessed, so are you if you stay the course. 
Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So here you are. Time for assessment. You were kind of nervous going in. I don't know if they really saw my work. I don't know if they really valued my work. I gave it my all, and they can't really see all the extenuating circumstances that were going on. And yeah, he saw it. And he says, blessed. And then you get ready to leave. You got a smile on your face. And then, then the employer says, wait, wait a minute, I got one more thing. And you're thinking to yourself, here we go. <laughs> it was too good to be. I didn't sign yet. I should have signed before they said anything else. And then verse 13. You're the salt of the earth. Whoa, my goodness. Wait, 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 wait. What's going on here? First he says, I'm blessed. And I'm getting ready. That's enough for me to go on. I don't want to hear any more. You know, sometimes when, when it's going real good, let me stop right now. Let me stop right now because it's going too good. Something bad is about to happen. Then he says, oh, wait, 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 wait. I got one more thing for you. You're the salt of the earth. Hallelujah. Mm, 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 mm. You see what I talk about? The king's assessment. He's assessing the citizens. Now, if you're a citizen of the kingdom, you're the salt of this. And I like how he says it. You are the salt of this earth. He didn't say the salt of this world. You're the salt of this earth. Wow. And I, I want to stop there just for a second. Because I, I want you to consider this thing salt. If you could imagine a world without salt. <laughs> now, I, I know some people, depending on their doctor's report, you might be thinking, well, you know, a world without salt might just be the thing I need right now. No. <laughs> Trust me, it's not. <laughs> just think about it. A world without salt, what would that do to the oceans and the life within the oceans now you're messing with the ecosystem uh, even photosynthesis would be impacted don't you know the ground itself needs salt in it your very bodies so much of your body is made up of salt helps regulate moisture in your body we couldn't live without salt And on top of that, I even started talking about eating. <laughs> you watch, um, maybe you don't, but you know, I like to watch cooking shows. I don't know where I get this from, but I like to watch cooking shows. Uh, competition, some of the competition I like to watch, some of them I don't like to watch at all, some of them aren't wait, worth my time. But it's an amazing thing to me when cooks who are supposed to know what they're doing leave out the salt. And then when the judges get a taste of their food, the first question they ask is, uh, did you put salt in this thing? Why? Because they recognize without salt, it's not savory. And let me tell you, again, anybody who can cook, you go to anybody who can cook's house, and you know what you're going to find in their house? Salt. Go to somebody who can't cook to their house. Look in their cupboard, you know what you're going to find? Salt. You go to a fancy restaurant who doesn't who doesn't put salt and pepper out. What do you ask for? Can you give me the salt? Because you recognize, you know, it just ain't good if it doesn't have that savor and it doesn't have that season. You're the salt of this earth. And again, you have to understand, this is not the world talking. This is the king talking. <laughs> 
This is the judge of the world who's talking. He's saying that this earth has no seasoning without you. This earth is not savory without you. Just like I, I said, imagine a world with no salt. That would mess up the system. We need the salt. The earth needs the salt. Not only that, keep your ribbon in Matthew chapter 5. Look at this in Leviticus chapter 2. Leviticus chapter 2. Now I want you to imagine. You know, Jesus knows the times that he ministers in. It's a little bit different to us. All has a little bit more meaning to them in their time that he ministers this than it does in our time. But I want you to imagine not having refrigeration. And I don't mean you not having a refrigerator working. I mean no refrigeration. And you steak eaters, you couldn't store up your steaks then, could you? <laughs> You'd have to eat it fresh. You know what I mean by that, right? You got to get the bow and arrow. You got to get the gun. <laughs> get your skin and skills down. See, at this time, they didn't have refrigeration. And if you wanted to keep meat for any length of time, salt was important for preservation. And so they're very familiar with it. They understood the importance when, when they wanted, because I want you to understand about salt. Salt has a rich history in the world. You know, economies have been centered around salt. There have been battles fought for salt. Because it's so essential and it's so necessary for life. People even bury their people and preserve their people in salt. I believe the Egyptians used that as part of their burial practices and preservation practices. And so when he talks about salt, he not only talks about the savory part, he talks about the preservation part. And they're somewhat familiar with this. Because remember, he's ministering to the nation of Israel. Leviticus chapter 2 verse 12. Let's start at verse 12. 12 and 13. And he's talking about their offerings. As for the oblation, as for the gift, as for the offering of the first fruits, ye shall offer them unto the Lord, but they shall not be burnt on the altar for a sweet savor. And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. Now, now, I, I, now understand when they say meat, don't think meat like we think meat. <laughs> okay? Think meal. Okay? So with their meal offering, they had to offer salt. Again, read verse 13 again. And every oblation of thy meat offering, of thy meal offering, shalt thou season with salt. Why? Because it makes it savory. Hmm. Every oblation of thy meal offering shalt thou season with salt, 
and on top of that, neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking. Now, he's not talking that there's a literal object called the covenant and you put salt on it. He's saying, hey, you're familiar with salt as making things savory. You're also familiar with salt as preserving. So when he talks about the salt of the covenant never going out, he means that this is permanent. He's talking about the preservation properties of salt. And so when we talk, and when he talks, when he speaks, when he ministers, when he opens his mouth and he teaches them, he says, you're blessed. And then he says, you're the salt of the earth. He's saying, you're the savor of this earth. Can you, can you imagine that? Think about this, people. You, if you be he who endures to the end, makes the earth palatable to our God. You may not need the earth, but the earth needs you. And because you make it palatable, where would the earth be without us? It remains because of us. Oh, wow. What an assessment. See, we're walking around blessed, don't even know it. Don't even recognize who we are in the eyes of God and how important we are to this earth. I want you to understand what he's talking about there. He's talking about, now, this is not separate from what he just previously said in the Beatitudes. He's saying those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers, the same ones who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, you don't even understand. If it weren't for you, oh my goodness. Do you not remember what God said to Moses? He said, these people have plucked my, my, my nerves Ten times. And you know what? Away with them. I'm going to do right by you. But Moses stood in the gap. And because he stood in the gap, the people were preserved. Oh, again, and Moses is a good example. Many of us in, in this ministry, especially those in the ministry of health, you're familiar with Korah and the rebellion of Korah. And you think God was a little bit ticked? A little bit upset at that? And what did Moses have to do? He had to fall on his face that people would be preserved so that only Korah and his gang went down. You are the salt. Of this earth. Turn it back to Matthew chapter 5. You are the valuable preservatives of this earth. Without you, the earth is not preserved. See, when we talk about salt and all of its criticality to this earth, it's invaluable. 
It is indispensable. It's vital. It's important. That's who you are to this earth. Wow. Again, do all these scriptures just come alive to you? See, all creation groaning. See, all creation has been made subject to vanity. And all creation groans waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, the citizens of the kingdom. You are the salt of this earth. See, that's very important because as you are savory, as it pertains to God and being able to put up with, can I say it that way, this earth? And see, he loves it. (laughs) But without us, oh my goodness, where would this earth be? Think about that. Where in the world would this earth be? And while we go through and do our thing, we're not so well treated. But he doesn't want you to stop. He doesn't want you to quit. He wants you to know there's a purpose behind you walking the way you do. And the same ones who persecute you are the ones who need you. And what a king we have. See, because he's going to be able to tell us that that day, I didn't ask you to do anything I didn't do. Was there any unrighteousness in me? But because I was righteous, you see how they reviled me. (laughs) You see how they put false witnesses against me. And you see how I didn't open my mouth. And you see how I endured the shame. And I took it all the way. I gave all that I had. (laughs) And I finished the work. And I didn't do it because they were nice. I did it because they needed me. You are the salt of this earth. Yeah, yeah. Look at this. Keep your ribbon there, Matthew chapter 5. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. And we'll turn back to Matthew chapter 5. But first, Philippians chapter 1. Just to give you a picture, if you will, of this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Uh, This is familiar where many of us are, a scripture where. Uh, many of us are familiar with, but Philippians 1 and 21 says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I what not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. You see, when you turn on the news, you're like, oh, here we go again. When you deal with people who just won't do right, you know, it seems like as much as you preach, the worse they become. You're like, you know what? This world ain't worth it. It's much better to be with Christ. Verse 24. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He says, you know what? My work is for the benefit of you, even though it'd be better for me to not be in this place. 
that was Paul's mindset, but that's the mindset that Christ wants for all the citizens of the kingdom. He wants you to be more mindful of being salt to preserve the earth than your comfort. What's better for you? Remember, let's not divorce this from what he just said. In the Beatitudes, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward. Your reward is not on this side. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, he's getting us to walk by faith and not by sight. Not looking at the things that are temporary, but looking at the things that are eternal. So you are the salt of the earth. Verse 13 again in Matthew chapter 5. See, it's the earth needs you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. He says, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its savor. In other words, if the salt stops making things savory, if the salt stops preserving, when he says savor, he means the essential properties that make salt, salt. It's what makes, allows salt to be savory or adds savoriness to whatever it's applied to. It's what allows salt to, to, what it does, it draws out moisture so that things dry out so that you can keep them longer. If it loses those properties, then if it's not salty anymore, what's going to salt the salt? And if it's not salty, what is it good for? Oh, think about that now. So, so if all the salt in the world just stopped being salt, oh, it's over. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's over. Life is over. Trust me, if you did not have salt, if you could not take in salt, your body would get sick after a while. To the point where you would eventually die. Let alone the messing up of the ecosystem and of the plants. So if there's no savor in salt... If the salt loses all its properties, then all is lost. You've got to understand this. And I want to remind you of this. You see, when you follow after righteousness, this world is not a righteous world. And they will not make it convenient for you. They will not cooperate. So as you navigate this world, there will be difficulties. There will be tribulations. And you have to understand, the earth cannot afford you to lose your saltiness. Cannot afford you to lose your savoriness. People don't even understand. See, when you turn the other cheek, you're loving them in a great and a magnificent way. When once you're reviled, you don't revile again. That's the salt. That's the salt. Oh, here's the salt. They were stoning Stephen because he spoke righteousness. 
and the response of the world system, the righteousness, is persecution. He was persecuted at the point of stoning. But here he is. Definitely he's a citizen of the kingdom who's learned from the king. He says, lay not this charge against the very self-same ones who are persecuting him to death. That's salt. <laughs> and why? He says, I know my reward is sure. But I want you saved. Wow. Oh my goodness. We got to keep moving. This, this is... Is this, this ought to be convicting. <laughs> this ought to be convicting. This ought to be, you know what? I can forgive. I can let go of the debt. I can forgive that debt. I can count it gone. <laughs> wow. I can be merciful. Yeah, even though I've been compassionate to them, they haven't been compassionate toward me, and they don't deserve it, I can still be merciful. Man, I told them a thousand times to stop doing that, and they kept doing it, and they keep doing it. But I hear my Lord say, 70 times 70 in a day. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under foot of man. If you start to be conformed to this world, if you move from these attributes that he just explained to us and the Beatitudes, you've lost your savor. And he says, again, this is, this is hard. Now, he's given this assessment. He says, you're blessed. He says, you're the salt of this earth. He says, yeah, but if you lose your savoriness, if you lose your saltiness, if you start responding in kind as you are treated, what good are you? Amen. Don't conform. Don't just follow the flow. Stay with the Lord. And at the same time, again, I don't know how to say it. Just don't give up. Don't give up. There's a, how can I say it? I want you to understand this. The temptation to give up is not wrong. We can all be tempted to give up. Just don't. The temptation to act outside of the character of Christ is not wrong. You will be tempted to do that. This is the spiritual warfare that is going on. The enemy is going to keep trying you. But you have got to teach the enemy a lesson. That great is the Lord. And great is his work within us. We've got to be like Job. The enemy is saying, Job? Job ain't about nothing, God. God said, test Job and see. Test Job and see. Here we are. Now I'm talking about our day. Here we are. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Grace that remains. What attitude do you think God has towards you when, God, when the devil comes to God to accuse you before him? If Job, without the Holy Spirit, 
could do what he did, then certainly God is confident in you. Turn to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. This was supposed to go a lot faster than this, but it's all right. It is all right. Because Genesis 18 is probably going to take us to the end of today. Genesis 18. We're going to take up in verse 20. And if you're familiar with this, this is when Abraham receives the Lord and some angels. It's an amazing thing, right? <laughs> A very amazing thing. Don't even try to explain it. Don't try to grasp it, right? Now, we understand no man has seen God face to face. So somehow, some way, God did this. And again, I want to assure you, I do want to share. This is not the pre-incarnate Christ. Okay? And that's all I'm going to say on that because we don't have time. This is Bible study. We're not getting to the... the people, sometimes people get too big for their britches and think too highly of themselves and they go places they ought not to go. Because there's nowhere in the scriptures that God gives us the assurance that he sent Christ before he sent Christ. That's our imagination. But Genesis 18 and 20. And the Lord said, this is Jehovah. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me, and if not, I will know. And I'll I, I try to just run past that, but I can't. He says, because their sin is very grievous, and I know many of you say, oh, Sodom and Gomorrah, just homosexuality. Well, it was beyond homosexuality. But people associate homosexuality specifically for Sodom and Gomorrah. And again, it was going on there. And so they see that and they say, it, the sin was very grievous. They say, well, see, that's the worst sin. No, he's saying that they were deep in sin. I mean, sin had taken hold and had taken over. That's what that means. Not that a particular sin was so bad, but they'd given themselves over to sin. Okay? Now, now can we move on? I had to get that. In the main, uh, verse 20, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me, and if not, I will know. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 22, And the men turned their faces from this and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. We're going to see salt at work. And Abraham drew near. Verse 23. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure, just perhaps, there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? Now, I don't know about you, but there's one word that ought to catch your attention here. The righteous. Now here's my question. Who is righteous? Doesn't the word say there is none righteous? No, not one? But then here's Abraham. And I'm going to use the vernacular of Romans chapter 4. What has Abraham found? 
we find, we find in Genesis 15 that Abraham believed God and God counted it to him for righteousness. Oh, stay with me now. Don't forget the kingdom. There's a current age where we allow him to reign in our hearts. Abraham believed God in his heart, which made him a citizen of the kingdom. And citizens of the kingdom, because they believe God, are counted as righteous. So he's talking about, now, now what if there are 50 citizens of the kingdom in Sodom and Gomorrah? Wait a minute. Before the Sermon on the Mount, he says, God, what if there's 50 people of salt found in Sodom and Gomorrah? Would you destroy the city with salt there? adventure there'd be 50 righteous within the city. And let me tell you, 50 doesn't make a city even back in that day. 50 is a few. See, just a few. See what difference you make? Peradventure there'd be 50 righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee, should not the judge of all the earth do right. <laughs> and the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Now, this, this is just amazing to me. Again, I, I guess I get pictures when I, when I come across these scriptures, and I'm just amazed at how the Lord responds. He doesn't say, Abraham... Yeah, it's his good pleasure to save when there's salt there. He doesn't want to destroy the wicked. He wants to keep the doors of the ark open as long as he can. Because he wants all men to be saved. Because he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked in their sin. You don't think about this? There you are. Or there you were. Far from God. God not in your thoughts. God's not in your mind. You're not pursuing Him. Don't want to hear about Him. But there's salt around. Because if there were not salt around, He'd be through with you. Somebody you talked about. Somebody you laughed at. Somebody you slammed the door in the face of, they were praying for you. They were standing in the gap for you. They made your place of residence savory because they were around. Just like we need salt, this place needs you. Let's finish this verse 26. And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. I'll spare all the place for their sakes. But the sin, the cry, the cry of their sin has come to you. But I spare all the place for their sake. But you've got to be righteous. Don't miss that. You've got to be righteous. Again, some people are declaring their righteousness, but they're caught up in the mix with them. The world, that is. 
with the society, with this world system, but yet they call themselves righteous. Oh, that is so irritating. I'm sorry. But that is so irritating. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want my name mentioned in the same regard as those who call themselves righteous but live unrighteously. I think I have a right to get upset. I think I have a right to get mad. To me, that's like someone saying, well, he signed off on it. Excuse me, no, no, no. We don't sign off on unrighteousness. You got another thing coming. And I'll be honest with you, okay? Let's be honest with you. There's some people who are members of perhaps your church, wherever your church is or whoever your church is, that may not be walking uprightly. And they speak proudly about the church they go to. You ought to tell people that's not what they teach at the church I go to. Amen. Let's keep moving. Verse 27. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure there shall lack fifty, or five of the fifty righteous. Will thou destroy all the city for the lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure there shall be forty found there. Again, Abraham's like, come, come on, how much salt does it take? <laughs> how much salt does it take? And you've got to hear the Lord's response. The Lord is like, I just want salt. They just need salt. Oh, do you understand? When you lose your savor, then the neighborhoods go. No, 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 let me, let me step back. When you lose your savor, then your children go. Then you lose your family. Then when you lose your family, the block goes. When the block goes, then the city goes. And when the city goes, then the state goes. And when the state goes, then the nation goes. All because you lost your Savior. This is why it is so damnable for the church that is called by the name of Christ in this nation to be caught up with things that are not pertaining to righteousness and evangelizing the people. Not just carrying the name of evangelicals, but evangelizing nobody. Praying for nobody. In fact, I heard Mr. Castile say, we're not supposed to persecute people, but you've got those who are supposed to be righteous, calling themselves righteous, persecuting others. When we should be standing in the gap, looking for ways to reach them. Verse 29. And he spake unto him yet again, and said, Peradventure there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure there shall thirty be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty. Never in this record do I find the Lord getting irritated. Never find him getting irritated. Verse 31, he said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. He said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. And Abraham returned unto his place. Wow. Look how important salt was to the region of Sodom and Gomorrah. But the salt there had lost its savor. And when, the law, and when the salt has lost its savor, it's not savory. And Sodom and Gomorrah was judged. 
Now, understand this. Lot was delivered. That was because there was salt standing there before God. <laughs> wow. He was delivered out of Sodom and Gomorrah because someone, when he was trying to... Let's not get into Lot. But there he is, playing at believing. And the Bible calls him a just man. But you see, how do I say this? Well, there's no, there's no other way to say it. You can't be righteous and put up with unrighteousness as okay. That's no way to live. And you'll find yourself cut off from the righteous. But because Abraham being sought himself, being a friend of God, was what got Lot delivered. Glory to I'm telling you, salt is important. Doesn't that make you wonder? What would have happened if Abraham hadn't lift up a request? What would Lot have been? I'm telling you, lives are depending upon you staying the course. Lives are depending upon you living righteously. See, sometimes... I want you to understand this, people. I, I, I hear about July 11th that is coming up, right? July 11th is coming up. And we're going to get a chance to get together again. And, and people are going to be so happy. But I want you to understand this. We're not a social club. See, salt loses its savor when we get together just for the sake of getting together. When we get together just for the sake of seeing one another's face. And I'm not saying that that's bad. But when it's... All that it is, that's good for nothing. And so, know this. Because oh, this, this is how it goes, right? Know this. When you get together and, and then someone has to correct you because you're not walking righteously, that's salt. That's salt. And they're trying to keep you from becoming unsavory and being salt that loses its savor. Because... We're the salt of this earth. It needs us. You know, we get together and we can tell stories about what we've been through, what we've experienced, and how we lived through it, but in the end, let's come together for righteousness. Let's apply ourselves toward holiness. Because that's what we've been called to. That's what this earth needs. And I'm going to end it there tonight. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.